When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Naku Show. It's Nat Mike Monday. We got a lot to get into. Sunday night football and the Eagles stopping that freight train offense. The Miami Dolphins. Is this the book on Miami? Is this the problem? When they're up against elite defenses, are they found out? Or are we overreacting to that just a little bit? Speaking of overreaction, Baltimore laying down a marker as Super Bowl contenders. Lamar right in the MVP conversation. But how much should we take from that shellacking of the Detroit Lions on both sides? Belichick gets his 300th career win. Has that bought him a little bit more time? We're going to look at the sneaky four and two teams as well. There are three of them right now, all very much in the playoff mix, which design Mike think has the best credentials to make the postseason. Plenty more besides lots of questions from the Passy Young mailbag as well. So let's get straight down to business with the fantastic Iron Mike. See, Iron Mike, I think you and I should get our own touchdown celebration handshake kind of dance thing like Taylor Swift and Brittany Mahomes have. Oh my God. <laughs> Mine would involve sure. talking and me putting my hands over my ears. Yeah. If I w- <laughs> well, that's two of the three monkeys there. Um, right. If I were, if I were a Taylor Swift fan, I would think, look at how, how she's gone from like in four weeks to being Taylor Swift glamour plus to looking like Andy Reid's daughter. I mean, she had the red lipstick, the red nail polish. She's wearing the Andy Reid, the special Andy Reid cut jersey. I should I should point out that uh, Propo, uh, longtime producer of the show, is a Swifty. He's a car character. He means a Gen Z, right? So he's so we got to be careful what we say. It might well get edited out, censored out. To be honest, I might. So I sent I sent the thing out um, of of that celebration with with Mahomes' wife Mm. to um, to my girlfriend's daughters, who are both Swifties. And you know, said end. It's National Tight End Day, and they came at, what's a tight end? <laughs> sure. and it was you. You can imagine what I had to resist saying. <laughs> oh boy, I can. The thousands of possibilities running through your mind in, in split seconds. Uh, Iron Mike, right? We got a ton to get into. We got a passing up mailbag as well. Lots of you got in touch with us, so we got some good questions to to weave in as well from you lot out there. I want to start with Sunday Night Football, and I want you to help us try and work out Miami. Because there are this is two games now that the Finns have had against top-tier defenses, the Bills, right. the Milano injury and, and other injuries, the Eagles last night. In those two games, they've been held in check on offense. So is there a fear that this Miami team is going to be exhilarating to watch, will steamroll past most teams in the league, but ultimately is going to fall short deep in the playoffs when it comes up against a heavyweight yeah. team? There, there are two things going on, and, and one is the defensive thing. And people have noted, you know, the key to Buffalo's defense um, was Daquan um, Jones, who's now out for the season. Yep. And Matt Milano is out yep. for the season. Because what you want to do is to be able to push inside to disrupt all of the motion 
and the lateral play that, that the running game in particular depends on. And you want to be able to, your linebackers have to be able to cover a lot of ground because of the yards after catch effect of, of the uh, horizontal or slant pass routes and, and that kind of stuff. And they have to be able to, to react to the ball. Now, the thing that both Buffalo and Philadelphia have in common is very strong interiors. Um, Philadelphia's in uh, linebackers played very well, I thought, um, you know, and and Cunningham was such a good pickup for them. Nicobe Dean had a decent game. Um, Nick Morrow had a decent game as well. You know, they they've got the speed. That that was what they were. That's what they've been looking for. It's what they had last year. Um, and the interior played very well, obviously. But but where you attack them, both those defenses would be at the edge, where they with their edge players tend to be more pass rushers than mm-hmm. than guys who hold the edge. So you, you think that that's what you want to do is to get outside on them. Now, Philly stopped them early on the running. Yeah. And they sort of gave up on it. But in the third quarter, Mostert had a good third quarter running the ball. And you thought, okay, now they're back in the game, which they were at that point. What happened against Buffalo was if they fall behind then they have to. They almost have to move away from the run. Yeah, yeah. They don't have to. I mean, I, ideally, if you think, you know, if you think that that, that um, Mostert and A Chain can, um, you know, can get you this stuff, you don't have to give it up. But the temptation is there to give. The book it up. is the book is you got to you got to give it up. But that's a really interesting principle. Yeah. That actually, there might be some teams that are outliers there that even though they're chasing a lead, don't don't deviate from that. You mentioned A Chain. I'm going to use one of your favorite words over the years: fungible, because we're living in a world where with being told running backs are fungible, right? And a chain going out. I mean, I think it's, I'm going to come back to this theme in a few different games that were played yesterday on this show. I think this is an example of a distinct diminishing. Of course, it's going to affect you a bit when a, when a player is on red hot form goes out, but it feels like they're really missing him right now. I know Mostert did pick up in the second half, but they got nothing going in the first. Half. Well, yeah, that, I mean, the injuries. Obviously, if he were there, that would be that would be better for them. But um, you know, the injuries that really hurt them, I think, were on the offensive line. Mm. You know, even though they're not great linemen, the two guys out are linemen, <laughs> and the replacements are not are sure. not as good. Sure. Um, and and that's a that's a real problem for them. But you know. Running backs are to to a degree, to a great degree, fungible, um, especially nowadays. But what A. Jane and Mostert both have is is incredible speed, mm. and that's a that's a rarer quality. That's not a fungible quality. Guys with that specific talent, you know, they're there. They're and ignored on other teams sometimes. Mm-hmm. In so the right system, to, they're in the right. Yeah, place. Mostert went to a number of teams before he finally got to play. Yeah. Um, you know, you know. Um, but so if the Dolphins are facing a good defense and if they're having to play from behind, which they were against Buffalo and then in the fourth quarter, they were against um, Philadelphia, um, then then that's where their problem lies, I think. And, re- and remember, people keep forgetting that 70 to 20 game is an outlier. You know, mm-hmm. it their first game, they gave the Chargers 35. The Chargers should have won that game. They chartered it, you know, um, the, the Patriots were shouldn't have won that game. Obviously, they were the inferior team, but they were close enough to win it mm-hmm. um, at, at, in the fourth quarter. Um, so, you know, it's not like it's not like this is at this the moment the greatest offense the world has ever sure. seen. Steamrolling yeah. everybody. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a fair point. OK, what about Philly uh, offensively? Because defense did a, a decent job, certainly bottling up the, the ground game, as you said, in the, in the first half. And, and ultimately, that might have been the difference. Offense was a mixed bag, wasn't it? Because, I mean, Hertz had the pick six. He had the fumble. He, he rocked up in the second half with a leg brace, which he said in the presses afterwards, he's fine. It's no problem. But you've got to, got to kind of wonder if that was affecting him a bit. But then there was the, it's very Jekyll and Hyde, wasn't it, their offense? Yeah. Sometimes they were exhilarated. Well, it's like time I've used yeah, that word, one, but they were. One of the interesting things, and I mentioned it, I think, in my column the week before, Vic Fangio, you know, spent last year after the season with Philadelphia. Um, advising them, you know, uh, mm, on how yeah. to stop on how to stop the Chiefs specifically. Mm. <laughs> that how did that work? But, <laughs> sure. but but also on you know on helping their offense deal with other teams' defenses and you know and so I think he had a pretty good idea of what he wanted to do to stop to stop them and 
obviously if Xavier Howard were there, he would be sure. hanging all over AJ Brown. And um, <laughs> well, and, uh, it's a good point. Jalen Ramsey as well coming back too. Yeah, so. and Jalen Ramsey's out. So you know, you you can make those. But but I mean, Iron Mike Iron Mike gives out this week has two big boy. <laughs> okay, here we big, go. Big boy awards. All right. One of the one of the big boy awards is to is to AJ Brown. Okay. AJ Brown is a big boy. I mean, he took a hit. You know the one that put him up again. Then he comes back and, and he just not he catches the ball and then he knocks people over. You know mm-hmm. he he's so hard to stop and he plays with such intensity. Um, he he just had had a great game and um, I wonder watching watching the games yesterday. It's not it's not just the brotherly shove. You know the. Um, the quarterback sneak with Hertz. Although if Hertz has a bad knee, do you really want him at the bottom of a pile? I was going to say, I'm not sure like 1,400 pounds of human flesh. But but the, the thing that gets me watching goal line is the referees will not blow the whistle now at the goal line when forward progress is stopped. Mm. I think it was Josh Allen's quarterback sneak. Mm. He was stopped. You know, but they they let play continue. So two more guys come in and, and bang on. They didn't even hit Allen. They banged onto the pile. Yeah, and yeah. Allen Allen was kind of trying to squirm his way under mm. under the mess. But you know, at some point when forward progress is stopped, the, mm-hmm. the whistle's supposed to blow, and eventually someone's going to get hurt. It's not going to be Josh Allen or, or probably even not even Jalen Hurts. It's going to be the guy at the bottom of the pile. Sure. You know, it's going to be J- Jason Kelsey yeah, or someone yeah, yeah. like that who's got four guys lying across his his mm. knees. Mm. You know. And then the fifth guy tilts tilts the thing, and something snaps. It'll so, be a league a league backup lineman on league minimum, probably. That's, yeah. the, that's the way that card falls. Uh, just out of interest, why is that happening? Why, after so many years of having a set position on that, are the officials? Is it just because they want more scores? Is there a directive to say like, I, give I, them an extra second? I don't even know if there's a directive. You know, if if, if my conspiracy. Mm antennae are, are are twitching that hardly on it but i think it's just the way things go yeah let them play you know the the let them play kind of thing is is supposedly superior although this week there were instances where they didn't let them play which i'm sure we can get into um later on my 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 favorite Official dupe of the week was oh, whoever yeah. a lot was of whoever, flying around today. whoever flew through the flag on um, Austin Jackson when he was having the handbags at five paces with um, Jalen yeah. Carter. Yeah, you know that that little and um, I guess Carter was going to get a penalty. That was but they 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 were doing like WWF stuff, you know. Uh, and then Jackson, as he was walking <laughs> behind him. You know, yeah. just leaving, sort of put him in an arm lock around the neck, and Dick and Dixie Carter, <laughs> Dixie yeah. Carter, flopped down to the ground, writhing like a Spanish football player, or <laughs> or or a WWF wrestler taking a bump, and then uh, Steve Austin Jackson <laughs> got the got the um, got the penalty. Um, you know, the the the, the um, what do you call it? Um, offsetting penalty, um, and it, it negated the whole Royal Rumble. You know, it was, it, <laughs> that would have been yeah. But it was great. Yeah, you know, well, a week after we had the Hanson brothers, you know, at, in the pregame fight. You know? exactly, exactly right, with Andre the Giant coming in as well, and Trent Williams. Um, it just got me thinking, actually, as we were talking about, uh, I know you, you always love rallying on a, a railing, I should say, on a, on officials. The if, if Taylor Swift and Brittany Mahomes, if that was coverage, would a flag have been thrown? <laughs> They're just hand fighting. <laughs> Right. Okay. That's all they do. That's what I. That's my. You know. That one sets me off. It it was. Um. It was. Um. The Browns game, and Mm. and and the 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 guy named Brown played for Indianapolis, who was clearly overmatched. Mm. Yeah. I mean, he he wasn't an original starter, but you know they called two penalties in a row on him, which saved the game for Cleveland. One. One on uh, P.J. Walker's fumble was nullified by the first penalty, and then the second one was interference which gave them the ball at the one and yeah um you know but they on the second one that the announcers sounded like one of my former announced partners <laughs> saying oh they were just hand fighting you know nobody's getting into advantage and, and i say damn it <laughs> you know when the receiver and the defensive back are just hand fighting one of them has to catch the damn ball. <laughs> the other one doesn't. <laughs> so of course, one guy is getting an advantage. You yeah, know, yeah, and yeah. and people say, I, you know, the referees have pretty much stopped calling uncatchable ball mm. unless it's kind of like a ball that's clearly being thrown away. Mm. But I always used to yell because on uncatchable balls, like when you were holding a guy by his jersey 
and they didn't call you because it was an uncatchable ball. Well, if he wasn't holding it by the jersey, he would have been five yards further down the field. Would have been catchable. It might have been a catchable ball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's the same thing. It's the same thing with this. So yeah, I, I call. It was just hand fighting between yeah. Britney Spears. Okay, and <laughs> Britney, and, no, it was Britney Spears. Britney, she might be that expert. You never know the way the NFL's go. All right. Well, so that, hey, it was National Tight Ends Day? Did you notice? I did notice. I yeah, yeah, they, they, they mentioned it. <laughs> they mentioned it often enough. <laughs> but I tell you what, it was uncanny that Kel, we'll talk about Kelsey's performance in a, in a minute. Gesicki getting the winner or the winning touchdown against um, Buffalo as well. So the Titans did step up and I and Mike stepped up as well. For those of you watching the video on our social channels or on YouTube, go and head out to, uh, over to our YouTube channel if you hadn't subscribed to that already. Uh, the NC Show, you'll find lots of video from the show over on there. Uh, I and Mike National Tight End Day, Carlson, is his, is his handle. <laughs> uh, on the video today, which is nice to see. Uh, because of course Iron Mike uh was one of the greats, one of the Wesleyan greats. <laughs> yeah, one of the greats. Certainly, certainly in the top two of the tight ends when I was playing. When you were in the yeah, on that particular roster, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> on uh, for us, yeah. <laughs> My freshman yeah. year when I played split end, um, the tight end was one of the greatest players I've ever seen. Mm. Um, just a little undersized for the big leagues. But but um the, the tight end at Amherst when I was at Wesley was Gene Fugit, who had a long NFL career at, at tight end with Dallas and Washington. So you know there was some pretty good competition. Should it should have would have could have hey speaking of good competition I want to take you to Baltimore Detroit next and uh connect it with uh, Something I talk to you about a lot, uh, a little bit anyway, and and indeed on this show a little bit, the Tuesday night Kennish Town Five-A-Side Football League. I might. <laughs> you know, that that was yeah. probably National Goalie Day. <laughs> Somewhere. Well, hey, it certainly wasn't last week because as you well know, we're a, we're a battling bunch of vets. We've won the title a few times. We hold our own. We're currently, we were, I should say, currently top of the table. And there was a lot of buzz about the uh, the, the North London Galacticos going in, going into Tuesday <laughs> night's game, uh, and we came across a team that we we typically do well against, who had one or two ringers, and not just any ringers. I might we're talking. You've played professional football at some stage of your career, possibly for Valencia or a La Liga team. This guy uh, was wearing a Benfica jersey. Actually, was the best player I've ever played against. He was unbelievable. We were a little bit short-stacked as well. So we got absolutely turned over. By halftime, the game was done, right? Very similar to how Baltimore turned over Detroit. It was, I was watching that <laughs> game play out and thinking, this is just, this is me. This is bringing back all these memories of, of Tuesday night. But it was, you know, a hyped up team in Detroit just running into a buzzsaw with Baltimore, both sides of the ball as well. So I want you to break down how Baltimore did it and how they're shaping up. So let's start with the yeah, none of those Detroit players are going to be on the um, USA flag football team in 2028. <laughs> Disappointingly, talk uh, about talk about ringers. Oh uh, yeah, that's going to be brilliant to watch. That's so unfair as well. But anyway, it's so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but I will, I will watch it, won't we? Um, let's talk about Todd Munkin first and and the impact he's having right. on the Ravens' passing game because it feels like. Lamar, we've talked many a time about the the criticism, the book on Lamar is, well, he's only at certain ceiling with his arm, but feels like he's being allowed to express himself more than ever before. Is that fair to say? Um, I, it's hard. Am I overreacting it's, to this it, game a little it's, bit? It's actually hard to say, but well, this game, it's easy to overreact to because it was such a good performance, obviously. Yeah. But he's been trying, you could see, to get Lamar throwing outside. To, to take designed runs out of the offense for the most part, mm. um, not not turning off his capacity to scramble, but but not depending on designed runs by Lamar to to run the offense. And to me, the difference was Rashad Bateman made two catches within a few minutes of each other and downfield. Mm. And I thought, my God, they didn't drop. He didn't drop them. Uh, and I loved, yeah. I I thought he was such a great pickup for them when they drafted him out of Minnesota, but he's never delivered. But no. all of a sudden, and they've dropped a lot of passes already this year, but all of a sudden they were catching those balls. And Zay, Zay Flowers is great. Yeah. I mean, and he makes a big difference for them because he can, he can get downfield as well as go across across the middle and Beckham but, as well was getting in on the act too for yeah and and he looked he looked okay so you could see now exactly what he wants to do mm. which is to use the whole field for passing which is not which is what they didn't do um under Greg Roman most most of Jackson's passes were up the middle of the field yeah um 
which got people to think, well, he doesn't have the arm to make the sideline, the, the deep sidelines throws, um, but he does. Uh, and, he, and he throws accurately enough, but there was no way to take advantage of the pass game when you're constantly just in the middle without, unless you're, you know, you, you use the middle to open up things or you open up things to use the middle, but you can't just attack the middle indefinitely, yeah. consistently, indefinitely. Right. Um, so, th- so there, there was that. And then Baltimore had their offensive line more or less healthy for the first time this year and they ran well. Mm. And that, mm. you know, and the, their offense also depends on the run because most of the time it appeared to me that they were still, um, shadowing Lamar. You know, you almost have to, you almost have to have a linebacker and someone just shadowing his movements back and back and forth. So, um, I just thought that all worked. And then you saw the vulnerability, which we all know, of um golf under pressure. Jared Goff to the press to the pressure. You know, it, it really is, it really is a hard, a hard task for him when he's under when he's under that much pressure. Pressure. Break that down because he was sacked five times and he was under felt like he was under pressure the whole day. I mean, when they were in that kind of hole as well, it made everything harder. How strong is this defense? Because Baltimore's defense and uh, Mike McDonald, the coordinator, dialing up. That, that pressure successfully against a line that's held up pretty well for much of the season Detroit they've been banged up too right the unit and so they're starting to get pieces back so it's time to shape up again I don't want to overreact and I'm definitely not going to drop exhilarating for a third time but it feels like this Baltimore side is now it's getting fit it's got this identity got a sense of direction it's shaping up shaping up pretty tidily as a contender yeah. And one of the things I've said about Detroit is that they don't have a real deep threat receiving um, they're they're more of a you know lateral uh, horizontal trying to stretch the field that way. Jamison Williams be that guy? Do you think he could be? Yeah, that's that's and he had a good game his first game back. Um, you know, but um, and that makes it easier for Baltimore uh, because because you can you can play more zone keeping the keeping the stuff ahead of you because their weakness has been primarily kind of. Um, injuries in the secondary have held them back the last couple of years. Uh, and so, so they were able, I think, to clear, to clear that with, with Detroit and and you're right, Detroit's offensive line at full strength is one of the best in the league. Um, but uh, once you fall behind your offensive line becomes one dimensional, you have to just pass block. Um, and, and as soon as the team knows you've got to throw, you're at a disadvantage, obviously. Right, right. And that you know that's true in in basically any game. And mm-hmm. so you really need um, with someone like Jared Goff when Detroit's playing from in front. That's great because they can open up things. They can run the ball. Um, at least Jameer Gibbs had one big run. Yeah, uh, you know, and and they they need him to deliver more with Montgomery out. Yeah. So again, same point as a chain and and the Dolphins it does look very different without Montgomery. I don't want to labor this point, but it does feel there are a collection of running backs that you can argue and we'll get onto Atlanta and why the hell BJ Robinson wasn't playing at all. That was curious, but it does feel that there is a collection of running backs establishing this year that are top tier and demonstrably likely to increase the value in principle anyway of the position, even if maybe that ship has sailed already, but they seem very different without Montgomery. Yeah, and well, you know, David Montgomery was available. Um, you know, the Bears yeah, didn't sure. d- didn't want to re-sign him um, or couldn't didn't afford to, and and that's partly an, another reflection of of the market for running backs. You know, I mean, I was looking at a stat of of players with seventy five or more yards receiving and rushing in the same game, and mm. you know who who were the leaders and stuff. And Eckler was way down that list, mm. um, and you would have thought. No, you know, but it's it's unusual to do both in, in the same game. Yeah, 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 was the was the conclusion you draw from this because there aren't many people who've done it more than sixteen times in their career. The top the top five the top five were like three sixteens of twenty and Marshall Falk. Sure, okay, <laughs> you know, and and you know that so so that that's that's one one of the kind of things the the, the guys who are are double threats are more valuable. The guys who are one of a kind or, you know, or elite running backs, the Derrick Henry's and the Nick Chubb's are, you know, going to get paid more money, but, but 
you know, even they are going to get hurt. And, yeah. and you know, Henry missed most of the two years ago, missed most of the season where A.J. Brown carried the team from wide receiver. Um, Chubb's out now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's just that you, you almost from a business point of view can't afford to pay them what yeah. they what they probably deserve in terms of value, because you, there's no guarantee you're going to get that value. There's no guarantee that, you know. I, I thought that might change a little bit the economics with the uh, Bucks and certainly the Rams all in for the Super Bowl kind of move. That you'd look at a front office and say, "Well, I'm probably going to get three, four years out of this guy, but that's fine because that's our window." Yeah, and the Bucks. I mean, it's interesting you mentioned the Bucks because they're they can't run the ball. Sure. Yeah. Period. You know, I mean, they just can't. Um, which, you know, would be great if Tom Brady's still your quarterback and willing to throw 55 times a game, but not if Baker Mayfield is. Oh, Baker. Well, yeah. let, you know, I want to talk, I want to get into them because there are, there's a group of teams. Let's go, let's go here. So I thought that, the, and the Rams too, I thought they might be a couple of weeks into the season in this group now, but but they're not. They're, they've kind of fallen behind and maybe that is as expected. Maybe they were punching above their weight, but there were three teams. I'm going to call them sneaky four and two teams that I want to get your take on. Just how serious should we be taking them? They are the Browns, the Steelers and the Seahawks. These are three teams that are all uh, four and two in um, probably the Raiders were, well, they were three and three, weren't they, before the defeat yesterday? So I'm not going to include the four and three teams. Specifically, those the Raiders were three and three, two and four, I think. No, they were three and three, I think, going into okay. yeah, yeah, they're three and four now. Um, so the Browns and that aforementioned roller coaster win over the Colts, the Steelers, and that's I guess the definition of a fine margin win, right? McVeigh was, what do you make of that? Really hacked off with the fourth and one quarter. He couldn't challenge it, couldn't do anything about it because he was out of timeout. No, and and I think he was right to be honest. I don't think Pickett made made the first down. It, it looked pretty obvious um, on the you know just from the both the game camera and the replay. Yeah. There was no there was no evidence that he had made it. Mm. Um, the Seahawks. Um, with their win over Arizona, which we expected, but it, it was comfortable, wasn't uh, immaculate, but but solid nevertheless. So those three teams, sneaky four and two teams, out of the three of them, is it the Browns because of their defense? And and I guess let's start with them. So TJ Ward was yeah. on TJ Ward was on the radio show I did last night, right? And I asked him about the Browns, one of his former teams, and I asked him, given how good this defense is, assuming Deshaun Watson, who started yesterday's game, of course, then went into concussion protocol, cleared it but didn't go back into the game. PJ Walker finished the game. Let's assume Deshaun Watson isn't close to where he was at Houston level. That's not a, that yeah, you don't have to assume it. He's not. He's not. Okay. So, but I mean, it lets us, uh, I'm, I'm suggesting. That he was he one for five with an interception before. When he was playing. Left the game. As the season goes on, he doesn't hit those heights. He stays right. at this kind of middle, below middle level, right? Can a team win a Super Bowl? The Ravens prototype of 20 odd years ago can a team win a super bowl with a so-so quarterback and a defense not without nick chubb i think um and i don't think pj walker is quarterback enough for that for that to happen um you know the the ravens the ravens did it with with um um dilfer trent dilfer um, who won Trent of the Week award back in the days of our show on, uh, you know, many weeks that year. And um, the Bucks did it with Brad Johnson, who was certainly, a, you know, a good NFL quarterback, you know, um, better than a journeyman, really. Um, so I think you need a certain amount of, of of talent there, but and Cleveland's defense for all. But is that Watson? Not, though, just on that, is that Watson? You know, mid mid. Watson, Watson, see Watson, yeah, Watson, mid level Watson. So far, I think is unproven at that at that level because uh, you have to be able for those to be successful with that kind of defense. You have to be able not to turn the ball over. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's your prime. Your prime thing is to run the offense without giving the the other team a chance to get back in the game. You know, they're not asking you to put 30 points on the board. They're asking you to just let the offense get it 17 or 21 or whatever, and the defense will do the rest. But if you give the D, if you give the other team the chance, short fields, pick sixes, fumbles, whatever, mm-hmm. um, that's that's what the problem is. And I'm not sure Deshaun's at that point at that point yet, you mm-hmm. know, um, or if he will ever be indeed, you know, because right now the injury history, it's it, it's weird. Yeah. Um 
and and Cleveland gave up 38 points in this game. Sure. And, and like sure. I said, they were lucky to win it. I mean, they needed a couple of calls there. A couple of breaks. Toward the end. And, you know, my my notes on the game just went all crazy because it was so it was so back yeah. and forth. There was there was good play and bad play. Um, Miles Garrett is number two big boy of the week. Oh, he's know? the number two. Okay, good. All right. He had he had the big you know, big boy. Hey, Travis Kelsey can be like your tight end big boy of the week. Okay, um, fair, fair. But um, but he had a big boy game. You know, a couple of sacks, a couple of forced fumbles, and and the blocked field goal, which you know nobody everyone's yeah. given up using that tactic now. You know, because you know Belichick put it in, so immediately the. Um, competition committee voted it out at the end of the season. Um, same, but they just, they did it as you can't touch anybody. You, you can't make contact with anybody as you're jumping over them um, mm. because of the worry of injuries, you know, um, blah, blah. Um, and Garrett just went over, didn't touch him. Yeah. Well, it was, it was the most athletic play. Yeah. No, it was one of the most athletic plays we've seen. We've seen this season because it was Bobo's catch might have been the most. Bobo, you, know, you love Bobo. I love Bobo. The only problem with Bobo is the Rams didn't get him because they could have. They, they could have. <laughs> can you can you imagine with Poo Poo? What could you do in Bobo? It was yeah. like a children's show. <laughs> Here's Poo Poo. It's Puka Tutu and Bobo. Oh Bobo. Oh Puka. Um, it would it would be great, but but yeah, going back to that, I mean that that defense is solid. Yeah. I think Indy is a you know Indy is a much better team than they deserve to be, you know. And and Minshew, yeah, we were we were all and I was included writing off mm-hmm. as saying you know as Min- a start. What Minshew's good at is coming in the game and, mm-hmm. and generating some instant offense, and also what he's good at when he's a starter is falling behind 27, nothing. And then in the fourth quarter, okay, let's up, go. Yeah. Putting up garbage time offense. that makes his stats look good, but Minshew was out of control yeah. in this game. Um, and, and positively speaking. So, you know, I just, I just thought it was, it was one of the great games of the season. One of my buddies on the other podcast I do where we're, where we pick game, you know, bets mm. and stuff had taken this game because of Cleveland's defense and, and the, under. Defense. In the the end of the under, which was which was forty, which was forty, and I and when we talk when we talk on Wednesday, I'm going to say, well, you were only one point off with Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Hey, I don't know why I'm laughing. Ollie and I had a horrendous edge rush. Um, you know, on Minshew, two things. I love love his touchdown shoulder roll celebration. That kind of that takes me to kind of Mike Carlson. Oh, the shimmy, the shimmy, the shimmy. Carlson yeah. in a Manhattan nightclub circa 1978 with the Tash. <laughs> Tash era Carlson, that's what they were. That's, that takes me there. In all seriousness with Minshew, given Richardson's probably out for the season, they're talking about shoulder surgery. He is, yeah. yeah. He's it's it's official now. Okay, right. Um, so, I mean, he's got a great shot here. Not necessarily at the Colts gig, because they've invested so much in Richardson, but parlaying this into a starting gig somewhere next season, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, and we, you, know, you could have said the same thing about him last year or two years ago. You know, he... Mm. He's he's in that position of being the the kind of backup. Tyrod Taylor, I think, is in that position right sure. now. Are they um, better with Tyrod than with Daniel Jones? Do you think the Giants? Uh, they have played better with him. Yeah. I w- I would say that. I, I can't. You know. I mean, obviously, they've got so much invested in Daniel Jones that they're, mm. they're not going to go to Tyrod. But but he's done a lot of the things. And what it seems to me is that he he plays more under control of what Dayball wants to do. He mm. can kind of execute what Dayball wants to do, um, even when he's under pressure. Uh, you know, now he's only, you know, they, they've scored 14 and nine points in the last two games, but, sure. but they were With both Saquon back as well. Cause it, Daniel yeah. Jones didn't have Saquon for a chunk. Of yeah. So, you know, that that's just not going to happen, but mm. you know, I think Cleveland is definitely still a contender uh, for sure. The, what about the Steelers? So the, the Steelers. Yeah. The Steelers are, they should have lost that game. I mean, it, Brett Maher had one of his mental yeah. breakdown games. He yeah. just seems to have them. Um, and he missed, what, two field goals and he had an extra point. Extra point, yeah. Um, and Cup had a couple of drops. I yeah, think yeah. I'm, I'm changed, sure. changed the game. Um, but, you know, but they, the, the Pittsburgh, were, it was, I had this, this was my best bet of the week was the under in this. And, mm. and my, my boy said, the, with their under, with the Rams? I said, well, A, this isn't the Rams you know, of three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and B, the Rams played pretty good defense. People aren't noticing, but, you know, it's a no-name defense that's playing well. And Pittsburgh are great defensively, you know. Mm-hmm. So 
So it, I mean, I only just made it, um, but you know, but I'll take. What it. was the total? Because the it total was, was forty-three-five. Oh when God, I was, yeah, you did. You yeah, it, was, that one it was forty. It was forty-one. You needed that um, one after. Yeah. Did you have the under in the Browns Dolphins game? I mean, the no. Broncos Dolphins game, didn't you? No. Yeah, you yeah, did. Well, you know, but last week, last in week six, in last week, uh, fourteen of the fifteen games went under. Yeah. So what's going we're, on here? What we're, I mean, we're at six and six right a lot, now. A lot of chat about that. Why? This is a low-scoring season. Why do you think that is? What's your theory on it? Um, well, last week I talked about in the column. I talked about red zone because people were saying, "Oh, it's because nobody knows what to do in the red zone." Mm. And to an extent, I think that's actually correct. Mm. In that, everyone's got offenses designed to beat too deep coverage. You know, which is which is mostly which is mostly going underneath the two deep, which is trying to split the seams of the zone, which is going outside, um, you know, inside out to, to get there, which is what, like we saw with Jacksonville um, at Spurs did a good job against Buffalo of doing that. Um, Mm -hmm. But when you get in the end, the red zone, the, the red area, the, the, um, the, the classic conundrum applies, the field shrinks, right? So you you know keeping stuff in front of you becomes a whole lot easier because there's no behind you. Um, so safeties can play up, and that and that makes so those red those 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 cover two beaters that you're using don't work because the safeties are up and the linebackers are back and they're standing next to each other basically. Mm-hmm. So you're facing a different kind of defense, and a lot of teams don't seem to have more kind of movement plays or whatever it takes to. Do that. Well, a lot of which teams, is un- all- which is surprising and unusual, given the the you know the increase in motion and movement in offenses collectively, right? So yeah, different- exactly. Um, and you know, I think you get offenses designed by guys. This is a complaint some old school guys have. Guys who you know call plays but don't call plays off the sheet, but don't look at what the situation is in the game. And I think right. that applies to red zone to an extent. Um, in general. And secondly, teams issue just pounding the ball mm. when you when you're when you're close, you know, when you're when it's first and three or second. Those two things connected, those if the yeah. look at the critics, the kind of hipster yeah. young gun offensive guru yeah. doesn't want to pound the ball because it's too old school. You see them come out and shotgun, you know, yeah, 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 uh, with sure. with the running back in front, but that's hard. It's hard to work short yardage from that because you're you're showing the defense where the ball's going, basically. Mm. So unless you do a lot of confusing stuff um, and then take advantage of that, you know, that's that's what you see from Miami, from San Francisco, uh, you know, and you wind up with a fullback in the flat alone because sure. everyone else has been moving around. But, but, you know, more I, when the Patriots got two other were going for right. two and they got two penalties. So now yeah. you're going for a two point conversion three, inches. You're, you're <laughs> yeah. three inches from the, and they snuck it with Mac Jones. They I mean, that, Zeke Elliott in, in Mac, the they've got Zeke Elliott, who's a goal line specialist. <laughs> and they've got Ramon Stevenson, who's a ball. And, and Mac Jones isn't even Tom Brady in terms yeah. of quarterback sneak ability. Yeah, and yeah. Jones tried and he doesn't get it. It just, it drove me crazy. And then the other thing mm. is that so many teams are dependent now on quarterback runs on scrambling quarterbacks, not necessarily designed runs, but quarterbacks will keep it. And to a lesser extent on RPOs. And that becomes harder to do in the tight, in the tighter areas, because the guys who who normally you would be taking out of the play can still get back into the play um, and, and make, you know, so you, how many times do you see RPOs and the guys going for the corner and, and gets pushed out of bounds on the three, you know, or on the two, um so and and then the third one is obviously quarterback quality um you know because we're dealing with a lot of injured quarterbacks a lot of rookie quarterbacks a lot of second year quarterbacks trying to know yet trying to make the jump um but that's been a problem in the league for you know for a while a while now but is it getting worse is the caliber the collective caliber quarterback that's that's an interesting point because i'm torn between their lack of ability or their inability to fit into the system or the inability to fit into the systems, which is not necessarily their fault. It's part, it can be the fault of the system, the coordinator, not move, you know, bending the system 
to allow for the quarterback strengths and weaknesses, you know, especially in a young quarterback. And is that connected with the pressure on coordinators to be contemporary and progressive? And they want to be it's a copycat league. You know, the the pressure is generated internally because everybody wants to do what's successful. You know, sure. That's why that's why the the tush push, you know, mm. everyone's trying everyone's, to come up with their own version. Everyone's piling on with that. But is, it, is, it, that's right. is there an optics? <laughs> thing? Is there an they optics? don't call him Lord Alfred Hayes for nothing. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> uh, like you ter- you think you're Terry Funk, but you're actually Harvey Wimpleman. <laughs> Mike Mike Awesome. Remember Mike Awesome? <laughs> Who was Mike Awesome? He was a wrestler. I don't remember him. Nobody liked Mike Awesome. Oh, so okay. I, I've never tried to compare myself. To okay, it. that's probably not a good one. Um, the everyone loved Lord Alfred Hayes. That's what I'm going to say about that. The but the optics of it, you know. So the a coordinator, uh, you know, we talk about this. I mean, you mentioned the Patriots. Ironically, were the ones that weren't trying to pound it through up the gut for that two point conversion. But this is something that we we've talked about on this show. The Patriots' unreconstructed approach. Bill O'Brien's old, perceived as old school veteran coordinators. It's zagging when everybody else is zigging. Is that an issue? If you're if you're a coordinator trying to make a name for yourself, trying to get that head coaching gig, you're a Kellen Moore kind of type. You're gonna aren't you gonna? Is there pressure to be a bit left field and, and progressive? And if you do do some of the old school stuff, it's gonna be a knock against you. That's an in, it's an interesting point to make um, because because the perceptions are you need to be inventive and and certainly Mike McDonald for example is inventive but he's also derivative you know most obviously from Kyle Shanahan but you mm-hmm. know but and that's the way football's always worked is of good offenses are passed on and and people tweak them to their own things but McDaniel's been been very inventive. O'Brien to me looks like I mean I, I tweeted or the it's like he's my high school offense you know let's run the twenty three <laughs> plunge mm-hmm. let's run the thirty five dive you know where you know it's this back through that hole and mm-hmm. and you know they run the ball on first they they get a couple of good plays and then they run the ball on first down then they throw the weak screen pass or not even screen swing pass on second down now it's third and eleven mm-hmm. um, and you know <laughs> and here comes the blitz and yeah. Matt Jones you know, sometimes handles it and sometimes don't, but, um, yeah, but I, I think, I think to an, to an extent you're right. And I think also teams jump on creative coordinators as head coaches, almost at the first glimpse of success, Mm. you know, and, um, and I'm not saying this to put down any specific, you know, shakens or, um, Sirianis or Stefanskis or that's just the S's um, but you know but you have a good year with a good team and someone then hires you to coach a bad team mm. expecting that you're going, your, your presence is going to turn that bad offense into a good offense the same applies to defensive coordinators as well but mm. but they tend not to, to get hired as much nowadays so yeah so I think that that's definitely a problem and i think offense has to has to evolve but it also has to take into account the personnel you've got um and it has to take into account the defense you're facing and and that that's what i think we find teams try to run the same thing right against everybody and that's and what the de- system defenses, says yeah the, the, their system is supposed to be able to beat everybody but defenses mm-hmm. can adjust can adjust to that and and find and find way that they will find mm-hmm. find ways to stop them. Interesting thing to me is the coach on the, the coach on the biggest hot seat. Right there, the hottest. Oh, seat. let's do a bit of hot seat chat. Okay, so I reckon Josh Josh McDaniels. Oh, okay, we got a question. So that's interesting because oh, uh, yeah, Jamrock J uh, Jamrock J Jordan to give the full name there. The Passyunk mailbag, Passyunk Avenue. Shout out. Incidentally, Thanksgiving Iron Mike, our Thanksgiving watch along party. We're going to be at the Passyunk site in Waterloo. You're going to be there. We haven't, yeah. spoke, we haven't spoken about it yet, but you're going to be there. Listen, <laughs> okay. beer and ribs, beer and ribs, you're in. Uh, Carson's going to be there. Propo, Ben, friends of the show. Bring that cheesesteak. We're rolling some cheesesteak. Uh, so come and join us. We'll put some information out there. Just tag us on Twitter, on social media. If you're interested in coming along to that, just tag us up and we will make sure that when we officially release info, we'll uh, send that to you directly. Um, Jamrock J. At what stage does Mark Davis say enough is enough and fire Josh McDaniel? So really, I think, I mean, they, like we said a minute ago, they were three and three going into yesterday. Yeah, they had a moment when, when Josh kicked a field goal 
they were down 21-3. And they yeah, that was bizarre. Third. Yeah. Well, I understood it in the sense that they'd been pushed backwards. <laughs> they, were, they were completely incapable. Of Take scoring. something. Yeah, sure. They, they, okay. I mean, that's what it looked like. But in yeah. a sense, it was a surrender. Um, yeah. But, you know. But Garoppolo's I, out, Mike. Like, I mean, you know. The, yeah, the Garoppolo's out. I would not. I don't know why, Brian. I actually picked the Bears in this game because I thought Bajan would outperform Brian Hoyer. Um, yeah. And. You know, I have this feeling if if that McDaniel's if he went back to New England as offensive coordinator, it wouldn't make much difference. Just in the same way that Bill O'Brien didn't make much difference, because in the end, being Tom Brady's offensive coordinator is kind of like doing what's best for Tom, mm. and Tom figures that out. You know, when you're looking at the other team, this is what we need to do. This is what we need to do, and that that probably very much is unfair to both those guys. But I think, yeah, I, think, I take your point. I guess it's it's it, it's it's a little bit like the point you make about if you're a quarterbacks coach with Aaron Rodgers, right? Yeah, uh, if you're, yeah. You, it doesn't mean that you're not having you're not contributing to that uh, continued enhancement and the overall success of that offense, but it is obviously a very distinctive situation. So I, I, I get yeah. that. And, and I can in... remember watching that just do your job documentary, which mm. focused on this, on the Seattle Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. And I, there was a shot of Bill and Tom Brady going through film like during the week. And, and you just think, Oh, where's the OC? I think we could do that. I think this would yeah. work with them. Yeah, and Bill yeah, saying, yeah. yeah. And I think this would work with them, you know? And yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so anyway, I, I, but I, I think, I don't think Josh is the guy to build a team, mm. um, and and he's got Ziegler there, so it, it's New England, New England, you know, as, as GM. Um, so you know, I, I just I think it's harsh on him. He's you know, his starting quarterback. I think he's in. Down. I think he's got to be the guy in the hot seat though, because he's he's had he's had, he's so had Jonathan time. Allen. Um, Jonathan Allen. Sorry, let me to cut you off. Mike. Yeah, You're saying he's yeah, had time in, in New Orleans. Right. I was, no, I was going to say Jonathan Allen and Washington. Jonathan Allen from Washington. Oh, uh, oh, the player. Yeah. Said he's sick. He's. I think his quote was, "He's sick of this shit." And there, it feels like Washington is a. McLaurin had words to say as well. It feels like, despite you know the change in ownership, it feels like it is still really dysfunctional. So I think Riverboat Ron's got to be. Uh, I think under so. Pressure. It, you know, I think what the new management did was smart. They they came in and they just said, okay, well, let's see how it works, you know, and then we'll yeah. see what, what we think is non-functional or, or non-optimal. Mm. Um, and I, and I think Ron will probably be part of that. I think they'll look to move. Oh, I love Riverbot Ron. And of course, Jack the season. Real, my favorite. Um, you know, probably yeah. Allen, Allen in um, New Orleans might have, you know, but yeah. the Saints need off. He's a defensive guy and they, they need more offense basically. Um, and, you know, you mentioned Seattle just in yeah, passing. Yeah, sorry, yeah, back to the Steelers. But that was the third team we yeah, were going yeah. to talk about. And so we actually just conclude on the Steelers. So because they've had a couple of, I mean, they well, we did smashed by the yeah. 49ers. I know we talked about it, but they were smashed by that, that crazy game in Houston as well, right? They got blown away by. Um, what's the other game that Steelers got blown away? Was it was it Houston? Am I imagining that? Let me... Uh, they lost to Houston. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But they were mm -hmm. destroyed by them, right? So, yeah. so Houston's playing really well. I where mean, for, are we? For a team with such a bad roster. Yeah. And the 49ers was week one. So, you know, go figure. And they Super Bowl contenders. Pittsburgh can hang into a game, but they don't have the offense to be able to beat you without a little bit of help, I think, um, which is why I'd pick the Rams in that, in that game. So they'll go nine and eight, probably nine and eight, maybe sneak in at 10 and seven. In that division, eight and nine, maybe. Remember, Baltimore's, Baltimore and Cleveland are, are in that division. And so Cincinnati, who mm. can stage another late late rally um what is what's cincinnati now they've they've got themselves up to 500 on it yeah. yeah 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 so um, it's never gonna he's not gonna have a lose. yeah and, and seattle will will be second i think seattle rams is going to be an interesting showdown for second mm. in that division mm. seattle is another team seattle had a lot of guys out in fairness and arizona's terrible um they play hard i'll take it. but they can't yeah, well they're 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 a 45 minute team you know, they, yeah, they yeah, play, they grade the first off. Yeah, they play hard, and then they yeah. they just don't have the quality to to stick with you, and that's what happened to them in in this game. And Seattle can make plays; they they always seem to. Um, and Arizona helped. Did you see the fake punt that Arizona ran? They, oh no, I didn't see the fake. Arizona they they line up in punt formation, right? Mm. And then um, what's his name? The Gilligan mm. goes out on an island. 
Um, and and um, yeah, he motions, motions out of the formation. They got Clayton Tune. Ah, Clayton Name that tune yeah. um, in in as a blocker, right? In the but so he's now the shotgun quarterback. Mm-hmm. And as in, as as unlikely as it seems, someone at Seattle noticed that one of the blockers for the punter was, was a quarterback. A quarterback. <laughs> and so they actually had everybody covered. Yeah, you know they they had everyone, all the receivers covered. One of whom was Gilligan, the punter. <laughs> sure. And none of the re- only one of the receivers actually goes to the first down marker. So so everybody <laughs> else is short of a first down if he wasn't covered. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> it was like it, it was the worst not quite as bad. Mem- remember yeah. Indianapolis's fake punt where they against the Patriots where they wound up with with um, Griff. Griff, what's his name from Stanford? Whalen, Griff Whalen. Griff Whalen, Andrew Luck's roommate from Stanford, yeah, yeah. taking the snap, they, like yeah. taking the direct snap with no blockers. And there's like <laughs> three, there's three Patriots <laughs> around. Was, it was like the worst, the worst play of all time. And this was this one was kind of close, close to oh, it. Griff Whalen, I'm glad you reminded me of that. I forgot that. I'm yeah. gonna go look that up after the show. But anyway, yeah. You know, so yeah, Seattle, okay. Seattle. I don't, you know, Geno Smith is is has been revealed as Geno Smith. You know? yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but on a team that plays good defense and has offensive threats. Goes back to what we said earlier, right? He's um, probably yeah, good enough. He, to, yeah. He's good enough to ca- to carry you through. Yeah. Um, so they're you know they're, they're playoff contenders. I think, the, and the Rams right now, Sean McVay would be one of my favorites for coach of the year. Given yeah, what he's what given, he's done. Given what he given what he's done with with that roster, um, and I think up. I think um, D'Amico Ryan's is going to be another one of those contenders. And mm-hmm. you know who knows if the Jets have a good run. Yeah, um, Salah could be yeah for sure. I don't think Sal- Salah would probably be, be in there. Um, what about let's talk Belichick? His three hundredth career win. Yeah, which regular puts him season. yeah reg- regular season win. Yeah, absolutely right. The detail there. Shula's three two eight. We've talked about that uh, target. Of course, we feel Belichick will carry on coaching uh, until four more he's, years to get there. <laughs> at least, although hey, there's one more down. George Hallis is the other at three hundred eighteen. The story broke uh, ahead of the game, given all the chitter chatter about oh the Patriots gonna fire Belichick mid-season and is this the end of the road story broke uh, the weekend that he's re-upped his contract so in the off-season so if they are gonna move on from it's gonna cost them a a pretty penny I don't think there's a situation I can foresee maybe I'm being naive Mike that they're not gonna ever fire Belichick if things get that bad he'll just gracefully exit the stage won't he from New England (sighs) That's an interesting, it's an interesting one. And I can't claim with my, you know, brief, slim attachment to Bill Mm. to understand, you know, exactly how his mind works. Um, But you, there would be a couple of teams around the league who might offer him a a coaching job. Um, And there's a lot of factors involved here. And part of it is Bill sticks to, you know, concepts that he knows and, and and have been proven um but he's still as good as anybody at breaking down a game you know you, what they did to buffalo defensively was yeah. really impressive and and then you can ask yourself well what is josh allen doing you know yeah and maybe it's dave maybe you know, i talked about tyrod taylor doing what dable wants maybe josh allen you know just needed a little bit more control than he's getting mm-hmm. from Ken Dorsey or whoever, you know, yeah. as offensive coordinator, but, you know, it goes out and throws the interception on the first play of the game, you know, kind of, and, and, the and, whole tone it, of the game. and it was a him interception because yeah. Peppers was, Peppers was covering the guy in the flat and he saw that Josh wasn't going to throw the guy in, um, in the flat and drop back and, and got into the passing lane. Yeah. But anyway, um, but you know, Bill's, always been the guy in control and but he's had smart people under him and they've all moved on you know he still does have smart people under him but not maybe as smart and there's an awful lot of patriot nepotism going on you know not not just his two sons as you know assistants but um you know ex-players like jared mayo who apparently is you know really good defensive coordinator. And you can't really criticize their defense much for the way they played. And, and remember, they're playing without their two best defensive players as sure, well. Sure. Um, but there's also in the front office, there's there's Al Groh's son is mm. is one of the main personnel guys. And and um, Ron Wolf's son is the you know the other the other main personnel guys. So 
um, there, there's that going on. There's no Nick Casario, um, you know, mm-hmm. to kind of help him evaluate personnel. There's no McDaniels. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no Brian Flores, you know, and lots of these guys are better under Bill than they are on their own. Because, but that's not new, though. I mean, it's a fair No, that's going on for a long time. Decades, but he, right? he's always brought along another generation. Right. So now you might think that maybe the generation gap is closing in, mm. and and therefore he's moving to people, the younger people that he already has a connection to, that, you know, mm maybe not getting such such talented people in. Got it. I, yeah, yeah. I don't know. But there but that you know this is the kind of thing you'd expect from a 71 year old yeah. head coach. Yeah. Um so I think I think what you saw this weekend was a team that tried hard to lose because they're not very good. Mm. And a team that was kind of telling you in a way what they can do well. And you need to do it more. You know, you need you, if you you need to make Mac. You, you need to stop treating Mac Jones like a guy who can only throw checkdown passes and swing passes and and three yard passes. And you know, you need to start trying to stretch the stretch the field, even if your receivers are mediocre. You know, and although the um, average on his throws was just three point three past yeah, the line of scrimmage. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I mean, I mean. Kendrick Bourne's had a couple of good games in a row and then fumbles the ball yeah, when, yeah, yeah. when all they need is to keep possession Hang on to keep it simple, to, yeah. to win the game. Um, Pop they got Douglas, the ground game going a bit, didn't they? I mean, you know, we yeah. mentioned Zeke and Stevenson as well had, a, had an aura. They had an almost kind of optimal starting line for them, which mm-hmm. is not an optimal starting line, but it's an optimal starting line for them. Strange was back at, at, at one guard. And, mm-hmm. and um, Pop Douglas is the one guy who's, to me, needs to be playing more, you know, and he, he's looked that way and then he fumbled in a game and he didn't, he was benched and then didn't play the next game. And, but, you know, he had a couple of good catches. He had a big punt return. They, you know, Marcus Jones is out. People forget about that, but he was their only explosive player uh, beforehand. So they just need to let, you know, this is what the players are telling you by the way they play, Mm. you know, that last drive, they got Stevenson finally on one of those screen swing passes for three yards. He took it for 30 and the penalty brought it back, but they still had a big gain out of it, you know? Um, and, you know, run the ball, throw the ball downfield and, you know, lose, at least lose firing on all cylinders. You know, sure. um, don't, don't lose, don't lose by, by surrendering. You know? <laughs> sure. And, and, what and about what a-, a constant, like, you know, a thousand, thousand, fumbles and penalties. What about the, speaking of which then, what about the Bills? Because that's what McDermott said. He They beat themselves, right? They had the missed field goal as well. The Tyler Bass missed field goal, the picks you mentioned. That was a weird one, wasn't it? It was headed right for the middle. And then it, it, it was wow. like the magic, the yeah. Zapruder film, the magic bullet. It, it like took a right-hand turn. That was something else that took me back to the Tuesday night game at Kennish Town. That was what I was facing on Tuesday night. Just... <laughs> Balls with a lot of swaths on them. But yeah, the, the Bills, they're, you, you, we talked about it right at the top. Yeah, the injuries to two of their key defensive players clearly having... That's that's major. Player. That's major for them because they are kind of a defensive team. Bill did the usual Bill thing is we're going to take Stefan Diggs out of the game and you're going to have to beat us without Stefan Diggs. Um, and they nearly did. Diggs made the big play you know, on the last drive. Um, And and he was double covered and both guys hit him because he caught the ball and it made no difference whatsoever. Um, But I think what I said about Josh Allen to me is the biggest worry. Um, You know, he just, it's as if, it's as if he feels the need to win the game on his own with his arm. And therefore he's, how many passes did he overthrow in this game? You know, oh, yeah, where, it's touch. where he it's had a re- where he had a receiver who was more or less open, you know, um, but but just put the ball over his head. It was like Eli Manning and back in the Plexico. And place. it was like early era Josh uh, Allen as well. Yeah. It's like, yeah, a, you know, first and, and all and I can th- all I can think about that if, as an easy explanation is um, Dayball's gone. Yeah. And, and, you know, they whatever Dayball was doing with him was was keeping him very effective, keeping him more focused and and taking advantage of his of his strengths. 
Yeah. They don't run him as much anymore either, mm. um, which Dayball was willing to do, as yeah, he is yeah. with Daniel Jones, you know, willing to run eight designed runs a game. With, yeah, with wouldn't you with Daniel Jones as well? <laughs> that's a that's a mean. Well, you know, last year what we were saying was what we were saying was Dayball's done with Daniel Jones exactly what he did with um with Josh Allen with yeah, Josh yeah. Allen in the second year or whatever, you know, to yeah. make the turnaround. Um, that Dayball Joe uh, the difference is, of course, that. The Jones isn't Josh Allen. Isn't Josh Allen. Well, the Giants got a much needed win. They've all got a much needed win over the Commanders. Uh, yes. as we Six sacks. Earlier. I mean, someone. Yeah. I mean, they, they ought to send fest, the DC, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, they ought to send the DC police out to arrest <laughs> whoever the offensive coordinator is in in Washington because you know it's like what they're doing. What they're doing to to Howell. Howell is just cool. some of them are on Howell. Oh, to be fair, but yeah. well, mind you, they've got them ten yeah. sacks all round. So the the Giants. Uh, Offensive line isn't exactly great either. Saquon had over 100 yards all in at a touchdown, of course. So, uh, as you know we who, said, yeah, you know who doesn't get the big boy of the week award? Who doesn't? BJ Robinson. What was going on there? He had a cold or something. He didn't feel well. Didn't feel, um, was the was the explanation? I'm not sure about that. I mean, this is this is not like Chuck Bednarik playing on a broken with a broken or Gino Marchetti playing on a broken knee. Sure, um, Philip Rivers know. with his torn ACL. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you know, it's weird though because even if he played, you know, Arthur Smith is like, okay, it's fourth and one at the goal. Put in, Shotgun. put in, take out Bijan. Put in, put in uh, Tyler Legier and and Keith Smith as a fullback, and give the ball to Keith Smith. <laughs> it's like, what are they thinking? Arthur, you know, it, it's Smith. like at least he's running Cordero a bit because finally he's back in business. Now. Yeah, and I love they had one run which which they showed a great replay of, and they were talking about this and that. What they were missing was it was just like Cordero on a kickoff return. Mm. He was he was going slowly and he was looking and he's got this great peripheral vision and he saw where the hole was going to be. It wasn't that he was following a blocker. He was looking for where the hole was going to be. And he went through went through it for like a 12 yard gain or something like that. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. Every time Pitts makes a catch, they say, oh, he justified <laughs> their, his draft selection, you know. And, uh, but, I, you know, I don't see them using Pitts in London the way that he, they were supposedly going to yeah, do that. Definitely you, not. It definitely uh, not. It definitely not. But they, like... you know, they play good defense. People, we yeah. underestimate that, I think. Yeah. Um, and um, I think I saw they were the only team that hasn't allowed anybody more than 20 points in a game. Um, and Indy's the only team that scored more than 20 points in a game, every game. Really, Indy is the only team that scored. Really, I think I think I have that correct. I I, I might be wrong, but um, but you know they're four and three, and they're they're one of those teams that they're like Tennessee. Arthur Smith comes from. They're just like Tennessee was. For, you know they'll finish eight and nine or nine and eight, mm-hmm. but they hang in the game. Mm-hmm. You know they, they kind of make you play to their level. Mm-hmm. And and the problem, of course, is that Ritter turns the ball over more than Ryan Tannehill oh God, did. Yeah. It, did it is at peak Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, Ritter. So he thought it was a redemption game for turning the season around. Game for Ritter, he, he, the fumble through the ends. I mean, there was a couple, weren't they? We got lucky on one of them. Uh, and that—that's like... something I really like. Mm. What, I rule? still like that rule. Yeah, and it wasn't Antoine Winfield punched the ball out, so it wasn't you know it wasn't like Ritter was. But but the thing is, if you're going to stretch the ball out in that goal line situation. You ought to be aware risk. of the risk yeah. Yeah. of of that, you know. I, I think and, that's fair. And I don't mind the fact that they get a touchback if you yeah. fumble it through the end zone. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I I think that's reasonable. Um, hey, listen, one more before we uh, get out of dodge. There's more money into the charity box for shelter. Uh, uh, we'll go to the Passy Young Avenue mailbag one more time from Adam. Uh, speaking of the Giants and that Dayball win and Saquon. Will Saquon get traded before the deadline? So the Giants, despite the win easing the pressure on Dave, they're not at the races for a playoff. That's an it's an interesting one. They're not. Um and he's not signed to a long-term contract. It's a one-year deal that he can be a he he can be franchised again. He didn't yeah. get an exemption to that. So if if I were the Giants, I would want to keep him yeah. and not, but I, you know, if they have to go through the same rigmarole that they did this year. Yeah. then maybe it would be a good idea. They are a better team with him there. Um, no doubt. You know, no doubt, no doubt about that. So uh, if they could Who get... Who would be it, in the market for him, do you think? As for a running back, um, a flexible, versatile running back like that could Leave help. Leave maybe? Teams. Um, well, they have Hunt and Rudy Ford. Um, yeah. So that's... 
Ford had a brand uh, a big actually both of them were, were yeah, good I'm, yesterday. I'm, but. I'm drawing I'm drawing blanks here as to who who who's a contender could actually um benefit from him and want him. I, I would go I was gonna say the Rams, but Henderson had a pretty good game for the Rams and I'm I don't think they'd want to spend the money. Rams have uh, yeah exactly and they haven't got any, uh, uh, any uh, draft uh, gaps. Um so you know I can't I can't think of another team that that's contending that that could possibly use them, and I'm not going to say the Chargers are contending because the Chargers uh, are are the Chargers, as we saw. Uh, this was, I think, Kansas City's biggest win against them in the uh, Josh Abair era. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and then MVS made Just a play. I mean, MVS for MG, MVP. He actually made a play. It was great. And and Nicole Hardman comes back and makes I a play. It's back in business. Yeah, talk about that. coaches who understand what the players' strengths and weaknesses are. Yeah, and yeah. play to their strengths. And Andy Reid is at the top of that list. You know, he took Hardman back in an instant. You know, because yeah. he he knows what he can and can't do, yeah. and and he's not going to try to depend on him not to do um, stuff that he can't. So my the three national tight end days. Oh yes, the three national tight ends of this week. Your top three. Is it, are you power ranking them? You can do three. Power ranking. Okay, Dallas right. Goddard at number three. Nice. Had a really good game. For yeah, he's, yeah they, they went to him early and often. Mark Andrews at number two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two touchdowns and and all the stuff. And of course, Taylor Swift at number one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought Gesicki would get a joint, at least a joint. Gesicki made a catch, a good catch, and big and catch. and it was a they good play. Catch. You know, yeah. they I don't think they were expecting that to be run. He was single coverage, and Jones made a great throw because he put it up high where Gesicki was going to get it. You know, yeah. we saw Gesicki do this for the Dolphins any number of times two years ago yeah. before he went out of flavor, uh, went out of uh, taste, went out of whatever, out of fashion. Out of fashion. <laughs> <laughs> As did Taylor Swift. Yeah, hey, you'll never <laughs> so go out So Kasiki last year, Taylor yeah. Swift this year. Yeah. They both went out of fashion. There we go. Brilliant stuff. At Carlson Sports is how you follow the big man on Twitter. Uh, it is patreon.com forward slash Mike Carlson, F-M-T-E for his deep diving stylings and profilings. Always <laughs> a pleasure on a Monday. Well, yeah, and I've already wrote, written written wrote. in my notebook here, <laughs> wrote wrote out in my notebook about Thanksgiving. That's going to be great. Ooh, Cassie, we're gonna, fantastic. We're going to look forward to that. Yeah, well, like I say, we'll release more info on that, but put it in your diaries and come and watch the Thanksgiving action with us. It'll be a lot of fun. Brilliant stuff on Mike, same time, same place next week. You got it. Love it. See you then. Brilliant stuff from my Mike. He will be back next Monday. Same time, same place. You can count on that. We're going to be back. Shane Vereen in the house. Checking in with Shane this week for our midweek show. And of course, FFS Edge Rush coming your way as well. Don't forget... If you haven't already, sign up to our YouTube channel. That's the NC Show. We'll put the link in the show notes. You'll see lots of video, extra video, all kinds of good stuff from the show. And our DraftKings Listener League, which is free to enter. You can pick a fantasy team each and every week. Go head-to-head against lots of other fans of the show, lots of other fantasy players. You can win prizes from our friend USA Sports. DraftKings put up cash as well. And you have to spend a penny if you don't want to. All right, brilliant stuff. We'll be back on Wednesday. See you then. Bye for now. Podcast Network.